welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast where you say this is the path less traveled or how come there is no room to breathe? Na 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 I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. That's right, we are talking The Haunted this week. That wasn't from the new album, but we are going to be reviewing it, Danny, this week. Yeah, definitely right. It's been a bit slim pickings in the metal world lately. I think big Simon, big bands coming out in September, but August must, must be the... Um, Mark, people don't really want to release stuff. I think when it comes to releases, there are really only two seasons of the year, summer and winter, uh, when either you're very, very happy or very, very sad. I think that's the time when metal hits hard the most. I thought there's only two times when albums are released. One, when they're not released, or two, when they are released. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what I'm getting at. Well, that used to be when Nevermore used to release and when Nevermore don't, but now it's just when Nevermore don't. <laughs> oh, man. So they keep to their word at least. Oh, it's burn. We also did the uh, podcast question of the week, and we went very philosophical this week. We decided to uh, really kind of test our fans out there and... The uh, first heavy metal band, I guess we could say, was the question this week. Who is it? Who were they, more importantly? Yeah, definitely right. It's always controversial. People always you know, confuse their heart with you know their brain, and they want their music or their style to be the first. So, yeah, controversial. Well, it's all about... We've asked not only the uh, fans, but we've also done a bit of research into knowing where the other bands kind of feel like it is for them. Uh, we're not going too much into it. We're just going to have a bit of fun with it. So don't be all like, oh, you know, the inside weekly of Metallium says <laughs> that there is exactly 17.3 bands, you know, and to the point yeah. there, I'd say F you. But uh, we've also got to talk about right up the gate, and that is the news. So, Daniel, Amon Amarth has a, the Viking ship they did. You know that Viking ship last year? It was like the whole entire Mars thing. It was right in the middle of the show. I mean, it'd be great unless you're like, got the singer behind it and that, and then you can only sing like three-fourths of the band, and then it would be probably like the worst experiences ever, right? Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. But so, anyway, they retired the ship. Yeah, well, they, for, they, they retired their first ship. That's right. Yeah, for a bigger yeah, ship, they're getting a bigger ship, man. Uh, people don't actually realize they're saying that this was a stage prop. That's incorrect. This is actually the... Uh, North Europeans are touring bus. So brilliant. Oh my god. So like what they do is literally they're getting bigger funds for the the pillaging. Really, we shouldn't be surprised if we see like half a Scandinavian countries getting wiped out and all their women getting raped and falling pregnant to the uh, Monomath ship. Well, that's a problem. When you first start like anyone, you get the smallest van you can cuz you don't really transport your equipment nothing. Now they've got equipment, they got lighting, they got like spears. They got to like hunt people. They got gold and treasure they stole from castles. They got to fit that all on their touring boat. It's brilliant, right? And uh, what they've got there now on the stage. So they can leave, literally, they bring their stage to every gig, right? Because it's the ship. So they've got the amps on there. They've got their leads. They've got their women on there. It's actually pretty brilliant. I mean, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do now being single. So just don't travel to Europe, Daniel. Is that what we're saying to all our fans out there? Uh, anywhere near the coastline. You'll yeah. <laughs> be fine. Yeah. Uh, Kiss Paul Stanley. Charity is not an option. It is an obligation. He is then going to say that freedom is a word we take for granted far too often. It's not politics that keeps us safe. It's our military. But who's going to keep us safe from Gene, Danny? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're poor, you're safe from Gene. So just remember. So that's actually quite funny. What happens is Paul Stanley gives you stuff for charity and then Gene Sims sues you and takes it back. Yeah. Quite so, a so he must be the left and Gene must be the right then. Actually, that's a fitting analogy because yeah. Gene is very conservative when yeah. it comes to his... Is well, uh, that takes on the uh, politics? Yeah, apparently in this concert or gig that Paul Stanley did by himself, he actually uh, gave away or paid off like a war veteran's mortgage. Or yeah, something. he so gave a amazing. free home to a veteran in the show in the Rivillage, uh, Par and or, or I think it's in Illinois. I think it was Aurora, oh, Illinois. I think it is. Yeah. Um, though the location nearly isn't important. This gesture 
almost undeeds their bass players' efforts in the last three years. I mean, like, surely this this uh, takes away from the trademarking of the metal horns, Danny. No, no, it doesn't. Because <laughs> that wasn't Gene who did that. That was Paul who yeah, did that. Yeah, but this is like the Kiss moniker, right? You know what I yeah, mean? He's no. like the face of Kiss. You know, yeah. he's like one fourth of the black and white uh, cat, uh, kitty cat tribe. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there was that, I guess. Definitely metalhead of the week, though. Oh, yeah, straight off the bat. I mean, that's a really cool thing to do. I mean, like, uh, I like to talk about nice things, but this guy goes ahead and actually does it in, in such a privileged position for himself to do such a generous uh, gift to a, to a poor veteran now. That's really, really nice. And let's just hope that this bug finds its way through the whole van, Danny. <laughs> no, it won't. It just won't. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Arch in a sec. So we're going to move it on because I know you guys want to hear about what we have to say about Arch Enemy. Um, their album is coming out very soon though, Danny. Oh, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be like a smash fest by you for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, you know, um, the... You read the comment sections and every comment, well, there's actually two types of comment. It's Alyssa is hot and Jeff Loomis is being underutilized. And right now, I can't tell you which one more frequently I read it upon gazing their comment sections, whether it be YouTube or Facebook. Yeah, it is it is getting... No one's talking about the music anymore. No. It's, it's literally about, yeah, we are like Alyssa or Jeff is underutilized. How about the songs? There's just nothing. Maybe that's the point. Because, you know, song-wise... Well, I, I said I was going to talk about it in a sec, so we've just been brought myself right into it right now. Um, I want to talk about what she had to say about the world needs extreme metal right now. The quote that I took from it most that seems to stick out from me is the idea of beauty is to be totally selfish and superficial and only value you look. Does that sound a little bit odd coming from the band... Arch Enemy, who got a singer who is mostly utilized for her, her one part of her vocal, which is screaming, and her aesthetic appeal. Yeah. <laughs> but she, I mean, is that rude to say? Well, you know, pointing out obvious, obvious things, man, aren't, it's not fair. So, yeah, but that's, that's why she's the best person to comment on. We've it. had the global financial crisis, Danny. Yeah. Uh, right. The radicalization of third wave feminism. Right. We've also got uh, the, the our political parties basically in disarray at the moment figuring out this gay marriage festival thing right because it's which is costing us trillions of dollars and it seems like it's going to get passed in about three seconds right right but the most thing we should be upset about in life is mtv's three-hour coverage of people who have way too much money oh is that is that where we're at in the heavy metal community right now is it is it literally superficial people who have way too much money are our biggest problem in this life right now. Is that yeah. what we're worried about? For, for some people, it is. is this yeah. is, these are the same people who have Jeff Lewis on the album holding their guitar picks, really, because that's what he's doing, right? Yeah. Um, the, the stupidity measures far past their artistic creativeness. It actually comes into their songwriting right now. I'm just saying you can read the warning signs, and they're all there for you. And, uh, you know... Uh, Stop me if I'm wrong, Danny. Please, I think I got to stop you before you like blow a blood fest. Or just, <laughs> you haven't reviewed the album yet. I think I think there's all this hatred regarding the Loomis uh, issue. So, well, yeah. it's not so much. It's just kind of dumbfoundedness because it was literally like everyone knows that Jeff Loomis is being underutilized right now. Heavy metal. The 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 take, which I guess with Arch Enemy or at least Alyssa, is that uh, we can fight up or we can rise against a superficialness in which I don't even know aware of because I keep away from. Um, from all like you know foxtel and all those kind of like streams of media and that so i don't get to see people doing really really well i just get to enjoy my life being really really poor um so i guess i'm just trying to think this is, is arch enemy a band that people want to be backing up um well i guess she's a- allowed an asset for you guys because she has a side profile band called Alyssa. 
Wow, that's original. Yeah. And what she's doing with it is uh, using Jeff Loomis to actually write on the album. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Maybe that was his, like, it was like a package for Jeff. So, okay, you come for Arch Enemy to stick around, but at the same time, you do a side project with Alyssa. No, I think Alyssa's just that little bit smarter than Amot, where he's like, look, and Alyssa even acknowledges in the article that um, he's not going to be writing on the uh, Arch Enemy record for whatever reason, you know? But she's happy to use Jeff Loomis' stuff for her album. So I'm guessing what would have happened is Jeff Loomis was doing some noodling and it was like, wow, there's like at least three worst of albums right there. And uh, he's taking the best of it, I reckon. Yeah, so you just put like a microphone next to him while he like warms up. And says, I've got an album now. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Jeff Loomis knew he was on the album before it was too late. But you must um, pay for that. Uh, look, if he's getting paid, um, all the best to him, I reckon. I mean, I, we, he's got one more... Uh, album with Century Media than he has any so he's got one more solo project coming out and after that we don't know Jeff Loomis' future yeah it's true I don't know what his um, Arch Enemy contract's like so I mean I don't know if he's allowed to be in two bands at once who knows so yeah we'll see yeah from what I heard it's probably not going to be I think the way it works with these high profile bands especially in like Megadeth like you got no chance of uh, Dirk Verbulen being like able to be in another band you know, when you're in that band like that and their touring cycles are brutal. I think Arch Enemy Tour, and one thing I have a lot of respect for is their touring cycle. Is it like 200 to something days a year that they're away from their families? It's very high. It's like two thirds of the year. And that's pretty, he- that'd be pretty heavy on your loved ones. So, yeah. uh, hey, that's what we can say about it. Looking forward to hearing Arch Enemy next week, Danny, is it? Or the week after? Yeah, it's, it's early September, so it might be next week. Yeah, well, we're going to see. Well, as soon as it comes out, don't worry, guys. We'll give you the review. Onwards and upwards to Demi Borgia. The guitarist, Silenos, has said we obviously have something to prove. You know, it's been seven years between drinks for this band, Abrahadabra. Yes, it is a magic trick and also a Demi Borgia album title. Was it like a disappearing magic trick? Oh, I think it's like it? Satan's disappearing magic trick. It's like, look, there goes Christianity. I'm like, no, you just set fire to a church. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> Wait, look at this church. Close your eyes for about two hours. Oh, it's gone. Where'd it go? Uh, it's anything you can do with gas and a whole lot of, uh, you know, bad makeup but um we're talking about Timmy Boogie do they have something to prove daddy they are making quite a lot of money at the uh biggest german festival uh of Wacken Wacken they had a whole entire uh classical orchestral band thing there like literally the whole 42 pieces um you know, most of these people will be playing songs, you know, composed by dead musicians at least 400 years ago. But for the first time, they could be alive playing songs by people who are still living. Yeah, but orchestras in Europe are like dime a dozen. They're like on all the buskers are just orchestras because yeah. that's, that's all they know how to play is like old school music. That's right. Uh, do they have something to prove, Danny, or have they already made it so it's more about just writing the coattails of albums that uh, the former glories, as it would? The Metallica, or <laughs> as I would like to call it. Yeah, you can say that. Oh, come on. Yeah. After we're a dead bass player, all of a sudden their song starts to just take a massive dive as far as the compositional values of it. Mm. All of that classical influence was taken out of it and they simplified their songwriting. For them, it worked, uh, I guess, out of necessity, but uh, they did get quite lucky with that too. Um, moreover, to the point though, Zimmy Borgia, what have they got left to prove? Oh, this is, what do they have left to prove? They've already made it to the top echelon of the um, death metal band. They're making money being a black metal band. Yeah, black metal Talking band. about Satan. You yeah. know, like literally, this is this, this, it should be like striking fear in every single person, or at least that's the whole moniker of it. You know, people shouldn't generally like this in mass numbers, but because of their production values, which definitely aren't black metal, mm. uh, their riffs sometimes can be very black metal. 
and uh, their overall look, which is very pagan now. They used to be a black metal band that look, but now they look like uh, dead um, Viking warriors. Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe they're the ones who sank off um, Amana Math's boat. But these are, see, they've, they've like merchandised everything as well. You get like Dibby Borg, you get like action figures and coffee mugs and I don't know. Nothing is bits. more Satan than selling out. And right now, like Behemoth, they know how to make a buck. And that's where it's at right now. Like Kiss, anyone with black and white makeup, you seem to like have a good selling out ability for some reason. Yeah, it's easy. Like to, when, you, when you have to make uh, figurines that are just white or black, you save a lot of money on color. Yeah, and that's... people don't like things when they're coloured, right? No, they don't. <laughs> oh, Danny, oh, you walked right into it. Naggers, it's naggers. <laughs> oh my god, uh, Kyra, the new uh, band from the members of X in Flames, etc. Uh, it debuts a catchy song. The song's called Karma. Now, when I first heard the first ten seconds, I was actually a little bit excited. I was like, "Gee, this is, sounds like the uh, the In Flames when it was kind of transitioning from that really depressing like death metal to pop." But it's still like, you know, it was like generally interesting. Then the singer comes in and I'm like, oh, this is what happens when Melo Death meets the voice. Like, I'm talking, this is like a Eurovision uh. singing like, and I was a little bit like, didn't know how to feel because I was kind of hoping that riff would have a tougher, more um, Christian from, uh, I guess the band's called Sky Symmetry. You know what I mean? Like that early, that kind of like all Bjorn Speedman kind of style, but he's not that. Yeah. Maybe these guys are trying to be that down commercial path and maybe they want to enter Eurovision next year. Well, they were doing that, I think, within Flames. They started from, obviously, that thrash and that's mellow death, you know, at the gates. Then they got into the whole, like, sad, kind of depressing, you know, that alternative metal scene that took a lot out. You know, people who were very depressed about having very expensive gear and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. So with that, I mean, I'm excited to hear more riffs, but I did feel myself gets it felt like you know a, a, a hand being reached out to me to pull me out of my despair but then being pushed back with the other it's like nah we're not quite want you to be happy yet yeah look maybe it's just the first song trying to get you know broader audience excited by the music so who knows who knows it, it is very much like that though and it is catchy enough to again make a eurovision and make yeah. them big money along you know get people voting for it you know like dip wise 10 points, you know. <laughs> it definitely gets 10 points. Hello, you were from Sweden. <laughs> Slayer guitarist. Now, we put this uh, question out to... Our, actually, you put this uh, feed out to our Facebook fans, facebook.com forward slash bro. And on it was Slayer's guitarist, Kerry King. And what was his advice to young people, Danny? You know, when you've been experienced as long as Kerry King, you, you develop wisdom and insight that you wouldn't get if you'd just been a musician for like one or two years. And, and what is that wisdom bestowed uh, on you, Danny? Look... This is this wisdom can only become from someone who's so bold yeah. and so wise, like a Gandhi or Buddha or a Kerry King. And that is to put two words, don't suck. That's I mean, right. That's right. Just don't suck. Two Just words. Don't That's be it. a bad person. Unless you know, you're boy unless you have a boyfriend, then it should you should be sucking, right? Is that right, Danny? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but the more important thing is for you bands out there who write bad music, don't write bad music. Yeah. Write good music. Oh. And what does that mean? I have no idea. Like, yeah, it's like a sliding, it's a sliding scale, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Metallica now you aren't apparently. Um, well, they they must be good because they they're making money. So basically, his words out there were: don't give them a chance to yell at you, especially if you're a new band. If you are a new band, don't take any breaks. Just go. Um, this is kind of like the Michael Jordan like inspirational quotes to school kids, where it's like, just believe in yourself, never give up. But it's like. 
there's surely another factor we're not being told about it, no, right, this Danny? Is, this is like when you work in a factory in North Korea. It's like, don't take any breaks, just go. <laughs> it's like, then you will become successful. Yeah. Um, I think he's just been asked this question so many times that it's just the easiest way to kind of do a cop-out and just be like, yeah. Because this doesn't offend anyone this way. It's never like... It's not the answer where it should really be like, you know what? About... 99 bands out there who are going to do it, you just guys aren't going to make it. There's going to be one of your bands out there and hopefully you're that one band. It's yeah. more realistic. I mean, yeah. it's, it's incredibly depressing and sad. I have a band and that's kind of the uh, advice I probably tell myself. But um, it's the reality of it, you know. It's a bit of luck and a lot of hard work. Yeah. They, or, or vice versa. We've heard well, some bands out there which yeah. I'm not too sure how they got where they were. But hey, who knows? Yeah, that's no, fair. Devin Townsend says, Metal is the least sexy genre of music. I would say he is wrong. I would say that there are quite a lot of hot women who sing in heavy metal, just not death metal. And there are some in there too who are hot metal, death metal singers. Yeah, Generally yeah. though, it is a bunch of sweaty old bold guys or or me just sweaty old hairy bold guys. Yeah, just moshing out in like big pits with a lot more sweaty. Yeah. Bands, yeah. Um, but there is a contingency called the goth metal scene and dude... Yeah. wow we like I don't know about you but uh, I'm glad I got the internet that's for sure and a locked door these days <laughs> I think the less sexy music country's pretty it's not very sexy it's all inbred so you let's talk really... about some bands Danny that have sexy musicians in them so we can reequate our friend Devin Towns and I want to do I want to extend it out to guys as well yeah. I want because we're not sexist here yeah. we know we have female listeners out there and if you guys are a female out there and you've got a hot singer that you want to talk about jump at our wall and say it we'll read it out yeah yeah Apparently, people like Corey Taylor, apparently. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't look like I would hug afterwards. I would definitely say, though, that, uh, you know, your Maria Brink's kind of cute. Yeah. The girl from uh, uh, Unleashed the Archers, her name's Maria. She's totally a fox. Yeah. I like her. Obviously, Lakuna Coils, Christina Scabia, tried and true. Um, James Heffel's a good-looking bloke, even though he's a bit older. His skin looks like a grated cheese. Um you know, after pre, you know, post being graded. Yeah, that's because that fire incident, wasn't it? But a certain person oh. likes Kurt Hammett, you know? No, no, I don't like Kurt Hammett. I thought your girlfriend liked Kurt Hammett. Oh, no, she likes David Bowie, but he's dead now, so yeah, I guess I'll win that one metal. as well. Where you go? Why is she the real one? I heard her feelings. The guys from Fletch Got Apocalypse, handsome guys, man. That lead singer, his hair is so nice, man. It's better than chicks, you know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous. All the chicks from those uh, power metal bands in the 90s, like Poison and Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys are pretty hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this is the point. You know, so I think Devin Townsend, he's kind of got a thing because there are a like you know the, the math metal and the tech metal and all that. These guys are nerds, man. You can tell these guys play Dungeons and Dragons and practice sweet for three three hours way more in a day than anyone else does, yeah, right? They play Dungeons and Dragons, eat Doritos, and then use that cheesy, oily greasiness of their fingers to like play really fast up the guitar neck. And you'll be upset and depressed that you haven't got a girlfriend. Uh, I'm guessing the Doritos and the Dungeons so, and Dragons doesn't help. So you play really fast So you play even neck. faster yeah. and heavier. And I'll buy you a CD. Not a girl, but you'll have my respect. Uh, ben Weeman or Wineman, he's a guy from Dendura's Great Plan. They've yeah. broken up now. That so, makes us yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah, it must makes the world a safer place, man, or... The, well, the insurance company will be happy. Yeah, he, it makes the guys on his stage a safer place, especially that lead singer, because he kind of just jumps on board. He sees everyone going mental, and then he's jumping into a crowd. He smashes his head on a oh, microphone. How many stitches stages. would he have gone in to get, you know, just from him giving himself a concussion? It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, that's the stage presence, and then there's like, where's he gone off the stage, you know? Well, he said the reason he got into metal is because it had no rules. When metal has rules, it's not metal. Is metal getting rules, Danny? 
Well, they're both five-letter words, so yeah, that's interesting where he's coming from from that. But yeah, I mean, it, it it's hard because you're right, it's all about expression. Um, the lyrics are very controversial. The music's all about like feelings and aggression and just reflecting what you feel and what you think. So, well, so like political correctness is rules, right? Yeah. There's a strict guidelines that if you say anything that's outside of these parameters, you are a bad person. Yeah, something like that, or we won't Or it's you. problematic, or you know, all these buzzwords that don't really have any weight in society, but it gives people a righteous reason to be a complete asshole to other people, but not have the morality problem where they, they are an asshole because they are above that, you know, yeah. rule. But that's right, I mean, metal is, that's right, metal is best when it's pure emotion and it's pure coming from the heart. So you're right, making rules, it just, uh, it kills it. Yeah, and that goes on to our next story with... Um, our boy Marty Friedman, he actually believes that there is political correctness that's gone way too far out of control in America. This actually has weight because Marty Friedman, ex-Megadeth guitarist, probably bet in there for the best years, you know, with the Rust and Peace apparently, album. No, apparently he's the seventh best guitarist oh, in Megadeth, according policy. to Dave Mustaine. That's because he's the seventh person you could remember, all right? That's how Dave oh, Mustaine's yeah. brain works, yeah, all right? Maybe. You know, he's getting a bit old, you know, the... the, the the energy levels from his brain to his mouth, you know, it takes a little bit longer. That's why he says all that racist and really bad shit, right? It's not his fault. It's not his fault, right? It's old, old man it's syndrome. It's old man syndrome. Oh, there's Dave again being the old cranky dude Your uncle does the same thing, don't write. You just sit there awkwardly until, and then just hopefully one day he doesn't come for Christmas one day. He's like, he's probably dead, but... Back in my day, there was only one metal band starting with M, and that was Metallica. But the, prob- the thing where it has weight is because he used to be in America, right? He left for 18 years to go in Japan, learn the language. He loves the music. He loves the customs. You, yeah. you haven't been to Japan either, though. Nah, man. Nor have I, but nah. I've heard great things, yeah. right? Um, but he comes back to America after a tour, and he just noticed how politically correct it's all gotten. Does he have a point here, Danny? Do you feel like political correctness now has a stranglehold uh, on the heavy metal scene or just just in, in the state and all the territory in general? Oh, that's a massive question to ask. In the heavy metal scene, you could say in some avenues it has, like metal injection, it's full, like oh. political correctness. But none of the fans are really that way inclined. Nope. So, like, these guys have decided to make it themselves. It's hard to say if, like, the lyrics represent that because there's so many bands out there. I haven't really seen yeah. swinging and like that Axel yet. Rosenberg and stuff like Metal Sucks, Metal Injection have gone on to say how much they are left leaning and how they do kind of tie a line between yeah. that kind of ideology. Having certain. Uh, classic uh, articles like we can't mention any deflammatory words against homosexuals because that's uh, that's offensive but having a girl mutilated decapitated and getting her vagina eaten out on a cannibal corpse album is somehow above that right I'm not saying either one is better or worse than each other I'm just saying that they are artistic forms of expression are they not and that's the good thing about death and that's the best thing about metal and I think Marty Freeman and guys like Ben Wyman get it they get that we can say and do whatever we want we're not going to be racist we have an artistic expression or a way to articulate in, in other avenues you will never be able to yeah. or maybe not that's, that's one point the other point was saying good thing about being like death black metal bands that not understands what you're saying anyway yeah, yeah you, know, you want to talk about taking a dump on your kids you can in death metal because no one's going to understand yeah, I it you're bored to that song yeah <laughs> um, we're going to move on to a lighter night carnivore Danny a band reforming um, generally what they do is pick another name because they want to tie away from the past what did carnivore do Danny they did pick another name, Matthew. What's you that to, name? You have to like move a little bit to the right, and it's called Carnivore AD. Oh, brilliant. How are people going to remember that, though? How will they know their favorite bands back together? Well, you got to remember that Carnivore starts with a C, and AD means that's after D. Hmm, nope, I'm stumped. No, I'm stumped either, <laughs> because they've got pretty much the same lineup, minus maybe guitarists. I think, I think there's two original members, and... 
yeah. I don't know who this band is, but apparently they're making a comeback. And yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. That uh, why is it called Reform? Maybe they should just call it the the Reignited or Carnivore's Back now. Or you know how the bands normally come back and they're just like they take the same name. They just got we're on hiatus. Sorry guys, we're back. Here's our next album. Like you know, Jimmy Borgie is taking seven years off. Yeah. Um, Jeff Loomis thinks taking seven years off Nevermore. <laughs> Whatever it might Ooh. be, right? Um, but why why go with the rename? I don't know. I, I think uh, like if you read the article, there might have been a uh, member of the band who passed on or something. So they want to change a name because they want to respect that guy, but also make yeah. the old fans still know Carnivore. So maybe they could just spell it with a K instead. It's still called Carnivore, but spelled with a K. Yeah. Well, with that, that's the end of our uh, news section, guys. Um, we've got a couple of... Uh, yeah, ideas coming up in the future with uh, these kind of stuff. So if you guys got a question you want us to ask or a news story, have free to head over to our Facebook.com, uh, Facebook.com forward slash SuperMetalBro or Twitter.com forward slash SuperMetalBro. Uh, but for now, let's go on to our podcast question of this week. Super Metal Brother Dan, we love heavy metal here, don't we? Well, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> the last year and a half has been a waste. <laughs> <laughs> We've also loved talking about our favorite bands, but we never really got into basically who might have created them or if they were in fact the creators of the genre we know and love and talk about so much of our very much lives. Creator is a heavy metal band, so has a good tie-in, Matt. Get a yeah. good tie-in. Um, so which bands created the heavy metal genre? Uh, it's an incredibly complex question and uh, we thought it was going to be a little bit more simpler having a browse about it because the article got this from was Led Zeppelin being touted as the first heavy metal band and the controversy obviously ensued. They did ask, though, the article, I think, from Team Rock at the time, did ask some very prominent figures or got these uh, quotes taken either in or out of context, and it seemed to work in their favor. But we're going to see if they're right, because we've talked to our Super Metal Brother fans mm. and the Super Metal Sisto fans out there. Let's see what they had to think about it. And off top of the list was uh, Steve Lehman. He's saying the kinks, Danny. Wow, you really got me there, Matt. <laughs> you got me so not what I'm doing right now. Um, Man, yeah. He's gone on to say, however, the fact that remains with Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, You're Right Heat, Black Sabbath, Motorhead, the list does keep going, he mentions. They all try to distance themselves from the term heavy metal, from what I like the history of metal written from the perspective of bands that actually like to be called heavy. Um, one of those numbers is Cream. I know they have been attributed as being a helping hand to heavy metal, but they will not take credit for it at all. In fact, they will get offended if anyone mentions Cream and heavy metal in the same sentence. Yeah, one of the Cream uh, members said, oh, if I knew heavy metal, I was going to start heavy metal, I would have wanted to be aborted. Or who mentioned the word abortion and start yeah. heavy metal? Terrible. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, just take a, take a chill pill, man. It's, it's a genre of music that people are inspired to and be better people out of and write music that they like. And uh, oh, that's right, they're probably dead soon anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Peter Mitchell said, I'll throw a spanner in there and say no one invented metal. Metal, as we know, just evolved and about every other genre of music. That's um, incredibly... That is as wise as Kerry King, I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that has that that been more profound than It's Kerry as King. bold as Kerry King as a statement Whoa, as there it goes. Bold statement. Yes, clever. It's, um, it's a bit hard to talk about that, but it, it has a place of... Well, it could obviously keep going. Like, heavy metal isn't a destination. It's the journey, right? Oh, wow, man. This is becoming pretty, <laughs> pretty inspiring. Unless the destination is to get the heaviest sound and it all implodes on each other. Everyone finds that uh, the uh, the poo note. Yes, you know right. what I mean? We find that note and then everyone's going to want it and everyone just shits themselves and no one wants to uh, heavy metal because they're afraid of uh, embarrassing themselves at their best friend's wedding or something. Yeah, like they play heavy metal weddings now, do they? That's oh, my <laughs> God. If, if they did, I'd be at every single one of them. In fact, I would play at those weddings, man. Free metal and free cake. Oh, my God. Who else? Why would I see anything else? 
Jacob Fluffy Slippers, Sabbath, Zeppelin, Rainbow, Good Boy, Jethro Tull, all sounds that paved the way for metal and no one band created. It was evolved from many sounds. Tying in with Peter Mitchell, but he did throw in a few bands to get the ball rolling. Uh, Michael Ab Gibbs. It started with LJ Hooker and Elvis, the Beatles, Sabbath, Metallica. So he's gone on and say where it basically started. And I think the attribution to uh, blues from bands like Black Sabbath and that is where it started, where the good old guy sold his soul to the devil. Uh, I think it was Mr. Johnson or something, some black uh, guitarist who just couldn't play guitar, then all of a sudden could play guitar, and no one knew what the hell he was doing with his guitar. It was like kind of revolutionary. So the blues came on, and maybe influenced rock and roll, whatever, heavy metal, these guys. Cream, which they would distance themselves from it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it definitely came out apparently six months before, like Deep Purple, etc. But the article really does suggest that these big bands uh, attribute to the sound that Led Zeppelin was bringing. Is Led Zeppelin the band that we attribute to bringing the heavy metal sound to, or a landscape to the fans? Well, if you going back to like the the one of the best documentaries on heavy metal, which is Metal Headbangers Journey, they interviewed quite a lot, you know, high profile metal heads and metal musicians and can't remember any of them actually saying uh, Led Zeppelin was the start of heavy metal, and they talked to like you know Lemmy, etc. And they, no one said Led Zeppelin because the sound is just not heavy enough. They might have been maybe the first who maybe increased tempos and maybe double kick. Yeah. I don't know because obviously the 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 distortion debate, obviously where it was like literally it was an amp that was busted and made that crackling sound, and people were like, oh, it actually sounds kind of good. So and that's an iconic sound too. Heavy metal is distortion, right? However, Danny, there is a band that really does come to mind for me that kind of is the instigator of creativity when it comes to heavy metal, and I'm going to have to say that is Black Sabbath. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fair. I mean, Rod Zombie, going back to that thing, said everybody's pretty much copied Black Sabbath. And you know, they're the first ones to get like the dark, evil tones to their stuff and make it more brooding. It was the whole package with Black Sabbath that makes it heavy metal. And heavy metal for me isn't just a sound, it's an experience. And that experience goes and extends into the imagery as well as the lyrical content as well, you know, as the sound. And they really encapsulate with all three. I mean, you look at the album covers that Black Sabbath are doing. I mean, they look pretty damn evil, man. Mm. I mean, you got obviously you got your um, angels smoking. You've got the one where it's like this girl's ghostly-looking figure and this really distorted, like, haunted house kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it really had a, a foreboding presence on it. And I don't really think I experienced that with other bands. However, there were bands then like Judas Priest who took the the more to yeah, the blues aspect and maybe more with the uh, power metal vocals and the uh, classical insp- inspiration iron maiden with adding that kind of theatrics to it as well um so there is that but i really do feel like for me it's when black sabbath dropped when that doom presence here and that for me encapsulates what heavy metal is around is a far darker place and it gives you far more of a plethora of doing because even Black Sabbath did stuff with Dio which wasn't so foreboding and, and so intimidating it was much more uh, exciting and a bit more riveting as well yeah no, exactly right I mean it's hard to say what is heavy metal because there's so many different genres and so many different paths you can take but if it wasn't for Black Sabbath you wouldn't I guess have the really dark and evil stuff like the Black Metals and the Death Metals probably all would have fallen from that tree uh, you might have just stayed on the like the hard rock, heavy metal, yeah, like classic sound. Like I, I agree. Like Led Zeppelin and Rainbow, for example, encapsulated orchestral arrangements, and they brought in stuff like uh, 
certain different styles of singing, classical, like obviously with Richie Blackmore brought in the classical elements, you know, from all those bark pieces and that that he remembered, um, and doing and applying that to the landscape as well, and that extended that sound a little bit more could, could show you how how diverse and broad a brush it can really give heavy metal. Um, Led Zeppelin were the same, you know, with Cashmere and stuff like that. I think, do you think Rainbow kind of ripped it off? Led Zeppelin first though what happened there I can't remember yeah, Rainbow Rising obviously had it with you know such iconic songs on the album um, yeah people were saying that Stargazer was rip off of Cashmere because the riffs apparently are quite are similar I think that's really harsh no I, I don't think, think so correct. I think I think the arrangement of maybe orchestral influence was a th- uh, more of a th- uh, thing on it like you know that was more of an impression on it but I really do think that um, Rainbow that song is not is, 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 is far I think more iconic than Cashmere Cashmere had that, that line which is iconic to that song yeah that for me that is but for the whole experience with with um, yeah sorry with uh, Rainbow Shack we're talking about it's definitely Stargazer, yeah. it's Stargazer sorry yeah definitely that uh, is, yeah. is Black Sabbath for you Dan the heavy metal where it started or is it just a do you think heavy metal was just started a little bit before that? What's your take on it? I mean, you could go really far back and go to like Wagner days when he had the tritone stuff. So you could get really far back into that. Yeah, again, it sounds like an influence though. I, I, I can't say that, you know, like it is an evolving sound, but for me, if I had to put a start to it, because it's a little bit like defining genres, like I believe in defining genres of bands because it gives it access to people to know if they're going to enjoy it or find something familiar about it to see if they like it. Because if not, without them every band, what would give you an interest for that band? Like, you know, are you then going to say that pop music and heavy metal are the same thing? Like, if you're going to say metal is going to be labeled, then why can you not then further redefine it? Exactly. Anyway, so my point is, we're here to define of who is the band that started, who is the heavy metal, where it started, Where's where was the line drawn in the sand yeah, for you, yeah. Danny? Where there's such a massive leap forward that yeah, it was like such a leap forward, forward that now people, and I really do feel like to this very day, Black Sabbath is still being intimidated do metal bands now try to replicate a sound from there and not receiving anywhere near that success that the formula that Black Sabbath found though and that's the weirdest thing you know with Thrash on the other hand you find that many bands are doing mm. quite well from replicating that sound but I really feel that Black Sabbath got something brilliant with that but no one could ever seem to get to that point again yeah, it is quite interesting For because saying for its time there were, there were stories that when they played like Black, uh, Seth Black Sabbath that people were actually like running out of like for cinemas and stuff because the movie was the songs and the sounds were so like evil I guess you can call it it freaked people out yeah so, yeah. so and to have that type of reaction yet to still become successful and still make it it's, it's quite interesting and yeah. I don't really like the Black Sabbath stuff to be honest without Ronnie James Dio I am a Ronnie James Dio freak when it comes to that I really think that Falling Off the Edge of the World for me is one of their better songs or if not the best song they've ever done mm-hmm. um, Heaven and Hell album for me is again stronger than most other albums they've done uh, with Ozzy, however, I can uh, I had to I must give respect where it's due. And I really do think that for me, Black Sabbath was the time where it all sort of changed. Yeah, but so that that, that Black Sabbath is the stuff like the doomy stuff was the stuff which kind of probably created all the really hard evil stuff. But like the, the deaths and the black metal was, but like I said, the pure like just heavy metal and hard rock and like power metals and progressive metals. You you couldn't say it was Black Sabbath. You would say it was someone like either the Deep Purple's or the creams or the who so again it, it, it's what you classify as heavy metal is also what should be considered the uh, subjective for point. sure yeah. exactly right and i'm not going to say that my opinion is definitely right it's just you know, what the feeling that i get and uh, who i would 
pay homage to and respect to first and foremost when it comes to to find the sound. It is always forever changing, and the funny thing is now the way metal is right now. Who's to say that's even heavy metal anymore? You know, we have gone through such an experimental yeah. and such an aggressive technical standpoint that uh, it has evolved a lot since then. But um, yeah, they really do keep to the roots. And again, like I was saying, they influence an artistic format, not just the music, but also the visual side of it as well. And that is hmm. all part of the experience when it comes to it. Yep, no, that's, that's fair to say. Thanks, guys, for your podcast answers for our podcast question. I love talking about this stuff, Danny. Uh, we're going to have to do this more often. Next week, we've actually got a question um, that we're going to think about as well. Did you have one in mind? Yeah, we do, but I think we're still going to think about it a bit more carefully. Oh, I, I think I kind, of, I kind of misread the, um, the uh, article, so I might have to create something different. That's but, fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll come and say a bit more spicy. Well, don't worry about it, guys, because we are going to talk about our CD review of this week. The album that many people have been waiting for, The Haunted, Sweden's very own Strength in Numbers, is the name of this album from 2017. This was only released this week or last week, Danny. Yeah, we got fresh off the press or fresh off the um, download button. Yeah, because in Adelaide, it's harder to find metal than it is water in Africa. I, I honestly don't know how the hell um, to buy this stuff. It is rarer than, honestly, meth or ice. I, I might as well have a drug addiction than a metal addiction because it'd be way cheaper. Yeah, people still like tape swap here in LA. Yeah, and way know. healthier. No, we don't even we, we, we need the internet to tape swap or something, don't you? You need some sort of way of buying things. They don't even know where Adelaide is. They drive over. See, all the bands fly over it for crying out loud. They're like Adelaide. Nah, most like the Bermuda Triangle, and like we, there's yeah. like some sort of like weird thing above us where people literally don't see it. It's like, what's yeah. that? Oh, nothing. Yeah. yeah, like someone goes back in time to re-erase it from our memory, so there was never a band coming here because they already died through through the triangle. Yeah, now they just turn really old. That's what happens in LA. You just turn really old and really boring. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the album Strength in Numbers let's give it a little bit of a backdrop to it uh, it was basically this band here is um, known as a thrash metal band I guess we can call it uh, it's an all important uh, it's all important sorry follow up to Exit Wounds from 2014 and that at the time saw the entrance of Ola Ungland guitarist he's also the guy from Feared as well one of those guys like Keith Murray who made a, a meta meritocracy or merit rise through the ranks of YouTube. He was just basically a guitarist. He could do a lot of cool shit on the uh, on the uh, social media platform and eventually got picked up, Danny. Yeah, it's actually quite amazing. I mean, we all thought Justin Bieber was the only successful story from oh, YouTube and social that, media. We don't have to talk about Justin Bieber unless we really <laughs> have to. Uh, Marco Arvo is also the return for him as well. And uh, Adrian uh, Eldranson as well. After respective uh, 10 and 14 year absence from the Haunted's lineup. So, this is the return of some of the oldies as well. Yeah, so is... these guys be called the Haunted AD as well. <laughs> 10 to 14 years. I would think so, Danny. Um, this was produced by Russ Russell. You know him from the guy who produced albums from bands like Napalm Death, Dimmy Boogie, and The Exploited. Uh, Dimmy Boogie is a big band. Something to prove. Also, the Haunted got something to prove as well. Ooh, nice tie in there, Matt. Danny, let's talk about this album. Um, straight off the bat, this is a... I've got to be honest, this is a boxing match. And you're on one end and Floyd Mayweather's on the other and you're getting pretty much straight punches with some hooks uh, the whole time. You're getting your shit kicked out of you pretty much the whole time. No real surprises that you're going to get shit kicked out of you though, really. And this album pretty much is a no surprise album. Actually, the, the thing... I guess you got to this point straight away and the thing I want to this point is that it's they're good songs, but they're not great songs. And I think it's um, it like it lacks that little bit of creativity with their songs. Like yeah, th there is good diversity between the songs. You have like fast tempo, slow tempo songs, 
bit of mixing in rhythms and grooves, etc. But it just seems like every song looks like it needed that a little bit of like spice or topping to give it to a next level. And every track hasn't got it. Literally, I feel like the guitars are doing all the work, right? So they're doing all the melody and stuff like that and all that. Your drums are laying down, but there is nothing that layers it. You like you said, Daniel, there's that see, you got two guitars, a bass player, drummer, and the singer who really does his thing, and that's about it. It's a belt, scream, good intensity to yeah, it. The guy yeah. who's singing, it really brings it out. However, after reading lyrics, like, for example, we we had a bit of trouble finding lyrics, but we did find them for Brute Force. It really is a verse repeated twice, and it really is a Brute Force song, and uh, the lyrics are Brute Force. And that's the thing. Heavy hitting, it hits hard. It has a familiar sound to it. I feel like a lot of these tracks, for example, like um, uh, from the Pantera kind of intro to This Is The End, there's that Pantera kind of riff, right? Which I know you're familiar with. To your Lamb of God kind of riffs, like the yeah. fall. Um, and also like your metalcore inspired. Think like bands like God Forbid examples. There's octaves and stuff like that. And that's in tracks like Preachers of Death as well. So these kind of like the new wave of American thrash metal it feels like brought into the Europe style with some of those choruses. It sounds pretty familiar and the sound is, is kind of been replicated by bands. And I do feel like the Haunted do replicate these sounds or, the, or those bands. They take some of the better riffs from those bands and use them. But it does sound fairly familiar, doesn't it, Danny? Yeah, especially when you're going for like longish songs. So these are four and a half, um, hitting onto five minute long songs. It, there's not, there's nothing which really makes the part, a certain section of the song stand out or you want to listen to that part again or like the song's been building up to like a crescendo or like an epicenter. Most of these songs are just, you're right, they they, they seem like they're, they're good, like they're okay written. There's just nothing you really like, oh, here's this yeah. part coming up. And that's the thing, it's really engaging. So Molly's people, I think, out there for, in the middle community, we might get out and buy the album because it's it's a no-frills. It's, it doesn't uh, hold your hand but it also is very familiar. So I think for the metal community, they'll generally buy this album because um, it's familiar sounding and it's engaging to a, like, to a pretty much degree. It isn't bad. Yeah, It's right, just yeah. that you've heard it and it's more of what you know and what you like. And I think that's the biggest thing. However, I do think it's better than some old Inflames album like, oh, sorry, sorry, the Haunted albums like Versus and that. I feel like this album from start to end is far more consistent than some of the earlier works. And I think that's a strength for Ola. I really do, I do think the album before this, which I heard, I did not like at all. Far too familiar and safe. But this album, I think he's starting to stretch his wings a little bit more and get a little bit more of that freedom. And uh, the intensity is there for most of the time as well. Um, if you don't... This is the thing now. This is where I'm like, it's hard to really give it a proper critique, Danny, because it really is what it is. Yeah, it's... You're right, it, it's... It's like, oh yeah, album. Uh, it's funny because I wanted to like it more than I did, but I just feel like there's times I couldn't, yeah. I did hate this album when I first listened to it because I was really like, uh, this is just more of what I've heard before. But after listening to it two or three times, I started to get into certain tracks and I really started to actually have a bit more fun with the album. Uh, it's particularly like, I really like songs like um, Preachers of Death as well, where it has a great combination of good many ideas, whereas it's not just your Lamb of God, uh, kind of thing or yeah, this is the end where it's like that Pantera groove that kind of comes in and out but it's pretty much stays there the whole time uh, especially something like Monuments was the last track which is a bit more sadder and slower there is a riff in there in the verse which is killer but most of the time it's like that's them at their weakest where it's just kind of like uh, it nothing get yeah you, you really want your penis to be up and throbbing <laughs> hard and you, you, you can use it as a sword and then a mosh pit but for most of it it's just punchy 
it's uh, be like fast food. This album feels like fast food, man, where it's going to be enjoyable and delicious for the 10, 15 minutes that you need it for. And afterwards, uh, you forget all about it. Your body will want something else afterwards. Yeah, but I mean, that's something to say. But the other thing I found is that even some of the song structures themselves weren't, they didn't transition well in certain parts of the songs. Yeah. Like there's a part in where the singing style, because he's always the same, like that hard growl to his voice, it didn't complement the times when it went a bit like more melodic or a bit more like softer at times. It's still that grunt behind and it didn't it didn't help at all. It just kept it the same, felt like the same. Yeah, mood. you can tell like the, the older school kind of wanted to keep what was the haunts of the haunted and that is quite visceral and quite quite insane and just just punchy and thrashy you know um but yeah there were some times where they pulled away from it and it did remind me of like you know your metalcore influences where it's kind of like shows that soft side and hard side you know um i mean the riff as well like in track eight where they had like a nice groovy riff but then the chorus goes to some like weird reverb guitar sound and just it's just too clashing. It didn't really help. It yeah, it didn't out. quite help. Yeah, and uh, that's what I mean with songs like Monuments, where it's like those ideas at the worst, where it's like so jarring, and and uh, without that momentum to push it forward, it kind of feels like you're just kind of like waiting for the song to finish, and then when it does, it's kind of like oh, it was kind of unexpected. Yeah, I mean the thing with Monuments is it's pretty much like classic final song writing. It's like yeah. you have your build up, and then you your breakdown into like off. a white noise and then you build up again with the ascending riff it's like it's like classic like final song ending it's like but yeah but when they do go really punchy like strength and numbers for example or brute force i mean when it hits hard it does hit hard and i think that's the thing at, at its strength it's uh it's solid you know it's a solid piece of metal that people will generally have a familiar ear to but there's a little bit of twists on it when it like you were saying before when it goes a little bit more acoustic-y and stuff like that or when it goes in songs like preachers of death or um or uh, yeah, or the fall, or something like that, um, or, or means to an end as well, where it's a bit more like that classic uh, "God forbid" kind of uh, chorus, where it's more catchy and stuff like that. So they do do a twist on that thrash metal, but um, it really did feel like for me those three bands, three or four bands that they kind of like use a lot. Yeah, from your Pantera to your Lamb of God to your God forbids, you know, your American wave of, of thrash heavy metal. And uh, yeah, that metal core as well, sound stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's some nice melodies at the time. Um, some of the guitar solos are quite nice. They help, yeah. they help bring a bit to it as well. Like, yeah, Ola's got a good sense of just giving out what the song needs. Hey, yeah, no, I agree with that. So that that that's forget. There's some good points, but just love like a bit more polish was required in some of the songwriting. I feel like they they yeah. needed to um, just bring something which a bit more dynamic in there. I don't know. Yeah, it was just. There wasn't a risk taken. There wasn't like something that was gonna like leave haunted fans upset. And this is the thing, and that's exactly what you want maybe from the haunted. You want this. It's old, reliable. Yeah, you know, nothing beats old, reliable, right? Um, and then they do kind of quote some of that haunted feel, like some of those choruses come through, or some of those verses that hit in that thrash style. It is reminiscent of the older stuff. So he does well to tie it into the older stuff, wherever the songwriters are. Pretty sure it would be all I'd imagine, but you never know. Um, so it is tied into, I can see this tying into the whole landscape as well. And that is in its own, uh, definitely respectable as well. Cause it could have gone, you know, off into whatever they wanted. Um, but yeah, again, nothing that, uh, is going to make me fall in love with it too hard, but I, do, I am enjoying it more though. So I think uh, towards the end of the year, I might enjoy it more. It comes with a solid recommendation though, Danny, doesn't it? But really it isn't going to be blowing your mind away. Yeah, I wouldn't say a solid recommendation. That, they, they're your words, not my words. Well, <laughs> I recommend it because it's such a easy, unoffensive way for people to like 
you can show it to any metal. I can show this to any metalhead, and they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, that's kind of cool." Pretty much. Well, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, like, oh, yeah. That's exactly right." They're like, like, you're right. They, they probably won't turn it off. Like yeah. when you see a solid eight or a nine, like when you see that hot chick or hot dude, and it's like they're not like blowing your mind or anything, but it's like, "Oh yeah, I do them." Or I do it. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, yeah. it's literally like that. But then you'd go home and forget all about it because you saw a smoking hot 10 and just be like, wow, did you remember that? You know? Yeah, yeah And either yeah. you married her or you masturbate to her. Either one is is uh, up to you guys. Whatever you guys do with your free time is your business. I just told you what to do with mine. But um, what is it for you, Danny, now that you can say about this album as a parting gift for it? Oh, uh, look, if, if you want like just a... Did I say generic? generic <sighs> yeah, you can, Danny. Like you metal really can. Album. This is pretty much a generic metal album, which again, right, it doesn't offend because it's nothing really gritty or really over the top. But in a point, it's not that soft where people will be like, oh, this is not metal. So it, it's like just a generic, hard, heavy metal album. Yeah. yeah. Exactly what you think the album's going to sound like if you're a Haunted fan. And uh, if that's what you want out of your metal and that's what you get out of it, then there is no reason why you haven't bought this album already. If I was showing anyone else, though, of what uh, the pinnacles of this year have been, this is definitely not on the list. But uh, I can definitely see why people would get into it because it's a sound that will trans- has transcended for Danny for 30 years, yeah. that thrash metal sound, and it's not going to go anywhere because eventually people are angry. And right now, this style... In Adelaide alone, thrash metal is one of the heaviest and most popular genres of all time. Mm. And still to this day, people are doing Megadeth, Metallica riffs from the 80s. Yeah. And we are in 2017 right now and that is still going well and that's the thing about thrash. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, this band is like the Volbeat of like metal. It's just like <laughs> non-offensive and everyone can probably get some sort of enjoyment yeah, out of it. If you've liked something fast and heavy, then this album's fast and heavy. Yeah, pretty much right. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So with that, and I don't mean to say that as an offensive, I feel really bad because I'm like, I want to be like, dude, this album is like the tits, but I'm like, and I love Ola. I think Ola is one of the funniest guys on uh, Facebook. He does so well to market himself to the young and the old, especially, and uh, to keep relevant in today's heavy metal genre where people are forgetting their own names of their kids, let alone the names of their favorite bands is the way it is. So uh, it it breaks my heart, man. I really don't like to say it, but I was never, I just wasn't like, ah. You weren't blown away by it, man. Yeah, I wasn't nah, blown away by it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, and that's fair. And that's what makes us so respected in our own world. <laughs> Danny, that was amazing. Part us for the song. Well, in the words of the haunted, never wave. Time has come for us. Disobey and fight the power. Fight the power indeed. With that, we're at the end of our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've had a great time. This has been a uh, episode for the ages, Danny. Yeah, until next week. <laughs> Damn, people hope to forget about this week. Oh, goodness me. Well, until next week, guys, I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We have been the Super Metal Brothers. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you then.